Years ago, there was this phenomenon in mainstream. Um, this young lady came up with an idea um, of organizing your life, and uh, through a rather what I would call odd path. Okay, um, her thought was this: if if your of your house typically is not a representation of your closet. There's usually some door in your closet. And you'll let people view your house. You don't let them into the closet. So if her thought was this, if your closet is cluttered with stuff, she says, take everything out of the closet and throw it in the middle of the floor in a big old pile. And then one by one, go through your clothing items. Take each item of clothing, hold it up, and ask it a question. And the question that she wanted you to ask every piece of clothing was, If the clothing answered you yes, you will. No. Um, <laughs> if the clothing answered you yes, call us a Come to somebody to help you. <laughs> now, the whole idea was her thought was this if the piece of clothing sparks some type of joy for you, keep it. If it doesn't, Anybody, anybody, Marie Kondo? Her idea was get rid of anything in your closet or whatever room you're organizing that does not spark joy. Well, you know, I don't go around talking to my friends. Sometimes I talk to my aunt, tell them I'm not. I kind of agree with Marie Kondo uh, in, in, in kind of her thoughts, but the difference between her and I is that I'm not asking you to take all of your clothing out of your closet and throw it in the middle of the floor and talk to you. What I'm asking you to do today is take inventory of your life. Take inventory of your life, and if there is anything in your life that is dragging you away from God or is building a wall between you and God, or is that is keeping you from God, talk to God. Amen? Who's good with that? Who's good with that? Let's do a little decluttering today in our lives, because it's necessary to declutter. 
because I'm not real concerned about sparking necessarily joy in your life today. Um, I would rather have you experience the grace of God today. That's what I would rather you do, experience the grace of God today. And we're going to continue this morning in our series called Grace is Greater. Does anybody know that, believe that? Grace is greater. Uh, and our, our key uh, verse for this series is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, and I've broken out into two parts. The first part says this, to see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Um, it, it, that you can substitute those words, fail to obtain, by saying misses. So see to it that no one misses the grace of God. Amen? That's important for us, that we don't miss the grace of God in our lives. Because when things are cluttered, it's easy to miss something, right? Literally, I have shirts in my closet that I have not worn in years. And I keep telling myself, I told my wife just a couple weeks ago, I need to go through my closet and I need to take out all those shirts I haven't worn, I'm not going to wear, and I need to give them to somebody, uh, donate them, throw them away, whatever the case is. But have I done it yet? No, I haven't. You know what they're continuing to do this morning? Clutter my closet. And when things get cluttered, it's easy to want to miss something. You can be looking for something that you really want and miss it because it's surrounded and blocked by a bunch of stuff you don't want. Amen? And our closet is a fine example of that because we all have clothes that we don't wear and we haven't worn in a Because we're in high school, right? I hope you don't have any stuff like that. Unless you just got out of high school, that's understandable because you've been So we, we can miss things when stuff gets cluttered in our lives. It's easy to do. And so the things that get cluttered in our life can cause us to miss grace. That's why he said that. Because see to it that no one misses grace. Because he understood there are things in our life that we can that can become attached to it and cause us to miss the grace of God because it's cluttered with all this stuff. And the things that tend to clutter our lives anger, sorrow, hate, wounds, bitterness. And if we don't do anything about those things, those things will cause us to miss grace. And grace will be extended. He'll be reaching for you. He'll be trying to, to, to work in your life and operate your life. But you'll miss the grace of God because all you see are the cluttered things in your life. Amen? So this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. And, it, and it's important to understand why is it so important not to miss grace. And the, the scripture answers it for us. The second part of that verse 15 says, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Do you know that hurt and wounds and bitterness and anger and hatred doesn't just affect you? It affects everyone in your life. It affects everyone around you. It's, it's contagious. It's like the flu. Uh, and, you know, in, in 
coronavirus, it, it's contagious. It can reach out and it can, it can grab a hold of people. And we don't want to have a negative effect on people, right? So this morning, my whole, my whole message, I'm going to give away the ending here. My whole message is that you will consider the grace of God in allowing decluttering of your life. So while I'm talking, listen, but be thinking about the things that you probably need to get out of this. Because every one of us, if we were 100% honest, if Wonder Woman was to come in here and put her rope of truth around you, and you had to tell the truth, anybody ever seen Wonder Woman, has she go through what that dress right there? She's got this glowing rope, amazing, and she puts it around you and you've got to tell the truth. So if that was the case, and you were around, and she had that rope around you, and you were completely honest, we all would admit, I've got stuff that I need to get out. You know, I got stuff that's cluttering my life, that's kind of becoming a mess. And and as I began to ask God about today and about this message and where it ends up this thing, and and uh, he he reminded me. Something that happened. Well, some things that just happened. I, uh, I was one day I was in the sixth grade. I was driving around, and uh, it happens too much. But I was in the sixth grade line, and I pulled up to the window, and it was kind of wasn't real busy for me. There was maybe two people out there, you know, because the children and things got to the window. So I got to the window, and the attendant was standing there, and credit card out the window or uh, out the window and I was getting ready to hand him my credit card. He goes, he goes, no sir, he says, uh, your meal was uh, was taken care of by the vehicle in front of you. I was like, oh wow, wow. So I'm like waving to the teacher, I don't know if they were looking at me or not. They weren't, I just happened to be looking at me and I had my hand up. And so and then a thought, actually two thoughts fired across my brain. One, the first one was for God influence, and that was, oh, maybe I need to, you know, clean that hole, you know, maybe I need to pay for the car to pay me. The second thought that came immediately after that was less God, more Tim, and it was like, well, God's going to pay me like $75 worth of good parents. And the thing was like 10 bucks, and there's 75 and I would love to tell you that I reverted to what God spoke and I paid it forward, but I would be lying and I had a miserable failure that day and I was not a good person that day and I didn't pay it forward. I just said thank you to the attendant who done nothing but hand me my food and I drove off. And the second I drove off, I was convicted. And it, I literally, I could see God looking at me shaking his head, going, wow. Really? And you're a pastor. Way to go, buddy. Literally, that's what I thought. So I get to the end of the thing, and I'm trying to pull out, and I'm literally going, I, I am so sorry. I am a terrible person. Please forgive me. I mean, just, I had a major failure. But it reminded me, I was, I was like, Okay, God, I'm glad you reminded me of that story where I had a major failure. But it reminded me of this. 
that unless the power of grace is through our So Peter has that in the back of his mind. 
So he comes to the Lord and he's like, okay, pick from three. I'm going to back it up a little bit. I'm going to pick seven. And the Lord will really think I'm righteous and he'll really think I'm good because I went four above three. And so he says, as many times as seven, and I can just anticipate Peter going, I just Seven times, and I guarantee you, those people in our lives have done things against us, and you've forgiven them a couple times, three or four times, five or six times, and there comes a point you ask them, and the Lord just kind of throws it seventy-seven not to represent on the seventy-eighth time you don't have. No, what he was doing is he was simply doubling what Peter was thinking. And then he goes on and he kind of tells the story, this parable. Starting verse 23, he says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who went and settled his accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 pounds. Now, when you sum that up in today's economy, 10,000 pounds is literally, like, I think they say 30 bags of gold. It's equal like $150 million in today's economy. That's how much this dude owed this king. Way more than this dude would ever hope to make in a lifetime. And he said, and since you could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife, children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. What that is a picture of is we owed a debt that we could not pay, right? And that's why Jesus came. And that's why he came and he took on the cross. What did the cross represent? Our payment. The cross was for us. He took your cross because your life had been marred and cluttered and all this stuff by sin. And because you couldn't pay the price for your sin, he was spotless. He was perfect. He was sinless. He said, I love you enough, no matter if you're in your sin, if you're still cluttered, if you're still messed up, if you're still all broken up and, and, and all this stuff, I love you enough that I'm going to pay and I'm going to release you of all the debt of your sin. That's what happened for us. And so he paints this picture that we had this debt that we couldn't pay. And so he, he, he said he left him out of everything. And, uh, but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Or really, the case was the 10,000. And seeing 
Benjamin did and began to choke it, <laughs> saying, Pay what you owe. And he choked the brother out there and put him up. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, I will pay you. Oh, okay. And he refused. He went and put him in prison where he could pay for it. Because you know what happened? Unforgiveness costs you more, way more than forgiveness. Literally, it did for him. If you brought somebody to the jail or to court and said, they owe me money, I want them put in prison. They would put him in prison, but you know what you had to do? You had to pay for them to be put in prison. So not only were you out the money that they owed you, you were out even more money for having them put in prison. So you paid double for holding that debt against that person. So this guy who just got forgiven of $150 million paid more than the $20 that was owed him to put this guy in prison. Verse 32, he says, so the people saw this, and so they go tell this guy's master. They're like, uh, that guy that you just wiped out his debt, I think he was out in prison for 25 years. And they're like, oh, oh boy. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you of all that debt because you pleaded with me. Could not you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Grace saves us when we pay for it. Receiving it is not, but refusing to give it away to others is not. Because it was through grace our Redeemer, our Savior, blood cleansed us of all things. His blood wiped away all the things that we owe. His blood washed us clean of that debt. And the grace that we have been shown is the grace that we are called to show to others. Amen? We must allow grace to flow through our lives. We cannot be a place that's known as the church of the living God, as the church, a place where people go to seek refuge from the storm, as the church, the place where people go to, to seek God, to find God, to seek healing. If we are not an operation of grace, then we are not fulfilling what God has called us to do. Okay? Because as the church, this, this place, should be marked by grace, flooded with grace, and known for grace. Amen. And I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about you and I. We ought to be known for grace, not judgment. We ought to be known for grace and, and understand that when people talk about the church, they know, hey, I can go there because grace 
is a lie there and not condemnation. I have not been called to condemn. I have been called to give grace as much as I've been given grace and to forgive as much as I've been forgiven. So whenever someone walks into this church or any church, they don't feel the resurfacing pain of their mistakes because of judgment. And they don't, instead they feel and they sense and they experience the overwhelming power of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Because the truth is we've all been hurt. Yes, we've all been hurt. There was a, I heard a story about a man that he, uh, there was a kind of a, a recovery ministry started. And he decided to go one day to this, to this recovery meeting. And so he goes to this recovery meeting and this guy gets up and he starts talking. And he starts telling a story about a day that he was driving and, and, and this temptation came. And as he was telling the story, like this guy was sitting in the back, he knows my sister just randomly raised her hand. So, like, they would keep their hand up. And the guy would continue with his story. And he'd get to a part where he, he, you know, he made some wrong choices. And he made, and he, they, more hands would go up. He'd go up and he'd go up. Nobody would stop him. They asked the guy a question. So he went on and on. The, the, the guy, the whole time he's up there talking and telling the story, people would just line up. And at the end, they all put their hands down. The guy said, now you have to stop. Kind of busy with the people. So one of the leaders came back and he's like, you look upset. He's like, yes, I am. He's like, I was just wondering why none of those people stopped up or answered or they were allowed to break it. He said, well, I can go for a break for a second. He said, I practice it all the time. When somebody gets up and they're telling their story, he said, if anybody in the past has ever dealt with anybody, anything similar, they raise their hand. He said they do that so the person talking knows that they're forgiven. I had that happen twice. Because you see, every one of us has mistakes. Every one of us deal with bitterness against things that, that have been done to us in our past. And we experience it all the time. And I'm not alone in that. I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, I've got some, I've got some funny things in my life that are wounds that are hurt. I need to be punished for that. And so, this morning, in, in talking about the grace of God, I want to tell you this. No matter the hurt, no matter the wound, no matter what's going on in your mind and your life, grace is there. Grace is there. The grace of God is, is greater than sin. I was asking the Lord this kind of give me an understanding of what he was wanting to say. I want to stand here this morning. I want to just say if you're here and you're listening to me this morning and you've ever been hurt by people, Ever been hurt by 
idea of just receiving grace, but also giving grace. Because we can't allow grace to choke us. One BB. wasn't my fault, it was BB's fault. My aim was crude. Sail just high of the little green head on that little green island. And struck the last screen door. So inconveniently located directly behind the army man I was shooting at. Who would have put that there? I looked, the sound that that glass made when that BB pierced it. This clean plate of glass immediately turned into a giant spider web. And with abated breath, I thought, Swept it up, cleaned it up, closed the door, stood back, and admired my sailor. Mom and dad, you know, you have a dad. 
don't see anything in that, then we can start looking at really what that means. If you see, there are times when God reminds us that He has not forgotten us. When something is shattered and broken, Brokenness does not have to settle down and cause bitterness. Say this Here's one of my verses from Luke 4 18. Jesus is quoting the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah 61. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to claim liberty to the captives, covering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He came to mend the broken heart. Then he continued in verse 21, he said, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your heart. I want to tell you today, I want to invite you to stand up. I want to tell you today that your brokenness has a home. Shattered pieces of your life have a place in your recovery. Because when you bring broken things into the atmosphere of grace, it allows those things, those pieces, to be gathered. the little shreds of our broken lives and begins to put them back together. See, if you and I try to do that, it's not going to look it's going to look messed up. It's not going to be very usable when we get through it. Have you ever tried fixing something that you broke? Like a glass vase or something like that. It never looks the same, right? 
cockeyed and messed up, so you just turn it around because they can't see the broken part of it. Done that too. <laughs> see, when the Lord mends a lot, He's not afraid of exposing what he does is he applies his mercy, his grace, and his blood into the joints that are broken. When those begin to mold and they mend together, and what was broken actually became stronger once it's mended than before it was ever made. So that's why I say your brokenness has a place in the presence of the Lord. The pieces of your life can be placed at the feet of Jesus. I invite you to close your eyes. Are you ready? not saying that one act in one service is an end all. I'm not saying you're going to walk out of here, everything's going to be hunky-dory. All I'm asking today is that you consider this. Consider taking one step into allowing grace to flow through you. Consider taking one action this morning to forgiving those people that hurt you or that wounded you. Why should I do that? They don't deserve it. It's not about what they deserve. It's about what you deserve. It's about the peace that God wants you to live with. It's about being whole in His presence. It's about being mended in His mercy. It's about extending what has been given to us to others. Because what has been done for you is greater than what has been done to you. So as we end this service this morning and as you stand there, I want to make an invitation. An invitation to maybe take a step of action. A step that says, you know what, I'm, I don't know how it's all going to play out and I don't know how God's going to walk me through this, but I know He's with me and I know He'll never leave me or forsake me and I know His grace is greater than anything I'll face. But if, in order to declutter my life, in order to get rid of bitterness and hatred and, and revenge and, and, and rage and all the stuff that comes with hurt and wounds, in order to do that, I need to take one step of forgiving them showing grace to them. And I'm willing to do that today.
you're willing to do that. I invite you to step out from where you're at and make your way up as a church family. Come around this place that has been dedicated as an altar unto God and lay those broken pieces at the feet of the Savior, at the feet of Jesus. Let Him take those things let Him mend your brokenness. Let Him put the pieces of your life back together. As He plays and sings, I invite you wherever you stand to consider grace.